Mary, Miss Robin, thank you so much for filling in today. And I'll tell you what, I, I appreciate so many in our church. Miss Robin is a faithful servant of the Lord with her gifts and her talents and her abilities. And um, Miss Heidi's got a couple littles that are down and... It's tough when you're the lady who takes care of all the special music and organizing and you have the, the, the Christmas program coming up and your littles are sick, your littles are sick, amen. And, uh, but thank you, Miss Robin, for filling in today. Miss Heidi will be here for choir practice. Miss Peggy's going to take second shift uh, with the littles over there, amen. <clears throat> well, <clears throat> it is that wonderful time of the year when we hear the songs of the season and children clean their rooms without being asked. Yeah. <laughs> the bells ring outside the stores and folks rush here and there to find that perfect gift. Families gather to give, to get gather together, and companies many times give their employees a few extra days off, and most of the world stops for one day. If you've never looked at, and I think there was a commercial that was made about it several years ago. If you've never heard of the Christmas truce of World War One, you ought to read about it. Fascinating. England, in particular, the Allies, but Germany, in one just one particular spot, they stopped on Christmas Day. One side was singing Silent Night, the other side began to sing it in their language, and they came out of their trenches with their hands up and just enjoyed Christmas together. And then went back to the fighting. War is like that. But it's amazing. I enjoy, when I think about the things I mentioned, I enjoy most of those things. But as I said in the introduction today, none of those things, the rushing around, the perfect present, the family gatherings, they're all wonderful. None of those things are really what Christmas is about. Christmas is about Christ. God's love gift to sinful man who was <clears throat> born of a virgin to live and to die for our sins and to raise from the dead that whosoever will can have eternal life. I like the way 1 John chapter 4 verses 9 and 10 put it, In this was manifested the love of God toward us, because that God sent His only begotten Son into the world that we might live through Him. Herein is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. <clears throat> First Peter chapter 3 verse 18 puts it this way. What a verse. You know, if I didn't have a life verse already, I think this would be my life verse. First Peter 3.18 says, For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being 
put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. Oh, I think of 2 Corinthians chapter 8, which many times we think about during our missions conference and our missions giving. 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 is really where missions giving is laid out in particular. But verse 9, I always think of Christmas. In verse 9 where it says, For ye know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that ye through his poverty might be rich. Christ is the reason for the season. And in these next three Sunday messages, the 10th today, the 17th next week, and the 24th Christmas Eve the following week, we will try to expound on and examine some of the characters of Christmas. Today we're going to look at Joseph and Mary in the journey to Bethlehem. Next week, again, we will look at the character of Christmas, Jesus Christ, as we examine the birth of Christ. And on Christmas Eve, we will look at the privilege of the shepherds. Those shepherds were unique characters in the Christmas story. And I hope that you will read the first two chapters of Matthew and of Luke over these next few weeks and that you would familiarize yourself. You know, the Bible tells us all to study to show thyself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. You say, well, what's the context of this story? Well, the context of this story really goes all the way back to Genesis chapter 1, doesn't it? You say, what happens in Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 2? We have the creation. We're the God that we love and worship each week here at Loomis Park Baptist Church, and I hope for you each day that ends in Y, and all God's people said. Created all that is, seen and unseen, ex nihilo, out of nothing. The Bible simply says, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And he, he lists the days and the various things that are created on those days. We know that again. Uh, many of us will be going back and reading that again as we start our January Bible reading. By the way, there are Bible reading schedules uh, out there in the Welcome Center if you'd like one. But what happens on the sixth day? God creates man. He creates man out of the dust of the earth and then he creates woman out of the side of man. And he performs the first marriage. He brings the woman to the man and he says, Whoa, man! Amen! And uh, that's how she got her name, somebody said. I think that's reading in the original Hebrew there. Amen. <laughs> Oh, and then what happened? Of course, not only do we have the creation, but then we have the fall of man, don't we? In the very next chapter. One of the most important chapters in your Bible is Genesis chapter 3. 
When Satan comes and tempts Eve and she takes of the fruit and gives to her husband and he eats and then they're banished from the garden. But even in that banishment, there's the promise of a Savior. We'll be looking at that. In particular, we mentioned that in our Wednesday night study. But in Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, the very first promise of a Savior is given. And then, so you have the creation, you have the fall of man, you have the promise of a Savior, but then you have the particulars of redemption. The Bible begins to tell a family story. We learn about Abraham, and Brother Jeff, through him all nations would be blessed. Amen. Then we learn, of course, uh, this, this time last year we were finishing up our series on the journeys of Joseph. You remember Abraham had a son named Isaac, and Isaac had a son, two sons named Esau and Jacob, and Jacob had 12 sons. And you remember the story of Joseph and how his brothers hated him and they sold him uh, into to Egypt to slave traders, and, and, and he ends up in Egypt serving, and he serves well, and he ends up falsely accused, and ends up in prison, but it was all in God's grand plan because God wanted to save a people. And you remember what happened? Joseph becomes second in command of Egypt after he interprets Pharaoh's dreams and his brothers come down to buy food. He knows them, but they don't know him. Sounds familiar. Sounds like a story that we're telling this time of year. Yeah. He knew us when we didn't know him. Right. Amen. And so Joseph, then of course there's that great character of Moses. Moses. God called him to lead his people out of Egypt. God went with him. And then, of course, Joshua, who led them into the promised land. And then there's the period of the judges. And, and uh, there's that, it's such a, a great book to read. And it, it can so, so many times symbolize the life of, of we're, we're right with God. Then we go astray from God. Then God chastens us. Then we, we look to God again. And, and then God uh, restores us to a right relationship. And then we kind of go astray from Him again. And kind of go through that vicious circle. Amen. Well, then there's the period of the kings, and we know King Saul and King David and King Solomon, and then there's divided kingdom, there's the captivity, there's the restoration, and then there's that 400 silent years between the end of Malachi and the beginning of Matthew where God did not speak to his people. And that kind of brings us and in that, before that time, you had the prophecies of Messiah. We know that Messiah would be born in Bethlehem, and we knew that he would be born of a virgin. Those are two very specific and very important prophecies. And it kind of brings us, during those 400 silent years, those years of divine silence, the Medo-Persian Empire, which had conquered Babylon. By the way, this isn't just Bible, this is history as well. <clears throat> history verifies the Bible. By the way, that's the way it should work. The Medo-Persian Empire, which had conquered the Babylonian Empire, was itself supplanted by the Grecian Empire. The most famous of all the Greeks was Alexander the Great. Remember, he was 33 years old and he wept for he said, for there are no more worlds to conquer. He'd done it all. And then the Grecian Empire would be overtaken by the Roman 
Empire. It is at this point in the history of the world that we are introduced to the characters of Joseph and Mary in their journey to Bethlehem. Joseph and Mary, and I have five points today, some sub-points and some applications. Can we say this, number one, about Joseph and Mary? Joseph and Mary were simple people. Simple people. Yeah, let's, let's do this. Let's, we're in Luke chapter 1. Look at, look at or Luke chapter 2, but let's look back at Luke chapter 1. And here we have what's called Mary's Magnificent. And it starts in verse number 46. Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord. And my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. For he hath regarded the what? The low estate of his handmaid. Go with me over to the book of Mark. So take a left turn there at Luke and uh, go to Mark chapter 6. Mark chapter 6. <clears throat> we were in Mark chapter 5 during Sunday school. Mark chapter 6. There's an interesting statement that is made. It says in verse 1, And he went out from thence and came into his own country. And his disciples follow him. And when the Sabbath day was come, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many hearing him were astonished, saying, this is talking about the Lord Jesus here, from whence hath this man these things, and what wisdom is this which is given unto him, that even such mighty works are wrought by his hand? Is not this the what? The son of Mary, the brother of James and Joseph, and Judah and Simon, and are not his sisters with us? So, what do, we, what do we learn here? We learn, if you go, you're in Mark there, go to, go to Matthew chapter 13. Matthew chapter 13. Just an interesting passage here about Joseph and Mary, these simple people. And by the way, when I say simple, I don't mean that as any sort of derogatory term at all. I think most of us in this church would classify ourselves as pretty simple people. Well, look at Matthew chapter 13, verse 55. And this is a, 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 a parallel passage to Mark chapter 6. And when he finished, verse 54, it said, When he was coming to his own country, he taught them in their synagogue, insomuch that they were astonished, saying, Whence hath this man this wisdom and these mighty works? Is not this the what? Carpenter's... Son. So what do we learn about Joseph and Mary? We learn that Joseph was a carpenter. Joseph was somebody who worked hard, worked with his hands, built things, amen, and Mary uh, was a maiden. When I think about Joseph, when I think about the carpenters that I've known, and, and I, I, I love telling this story because it's just so formative in who I was, in eighth grade I had to make a choice. And where I was going to go to high school was I was going to go to the big thousand person high school 
and I did not think I was college material at all. Uh, I knew some really smart people, and I knew I wasn't one of them. And I had to decide whether I was going to go to uh, regular high school, which most of the folks went to college, or if I was going to go to trade school. <clears throat> now, some of you are smiling right now because you know how unhandy I am. I really did go to a vocational high school. I took electrical wiring. My light bulb wouldn't light up. I, I took carpentry, and the Fair Housing Commission condemned my birdhouse, amen, and, and I took machining, and I could never cut a finish, amen, but I learned how to read prints, and actually was ended up in aerospace quality for use, but I think about carpenters, carpenters are hard workers, people that do carpentry, they're hard, they're, 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 they're people of integrity, they build things that last. Amen? And I think about Joseph here. I think he was. He, he, he was uh, somebody who worked hard and had integrity and built things for others. And it says about Mary that she was a maiden. She was, ladies, she was soon to be a housewife and a mom. You know, I know our society has belittled that over the last 50 years. Can I tell you something, moms? That is still the greatest title that you could ever have. Housewife, mom. You know, it, it matters later when your kids grow up and they revere mom. They don't care. And again, I, I'm not against ladies working. Uh, Lydia was a seller of purple. I, I, my wife worked right up till uh, just barely our boys were born. I, I get all that, amen. So please, ladies, if you're working, don't think I'm against you. I'm just saying that Mary here, she was just a simple handmaiden. She was uh, getting ready to be a wife. And they were not unlike Joseph and Mary. Were not unlike Millions and millions and millions of others, just simple, ordinary people. You know, I got a, a little dose of that this week. We were, we, of course, we, we stayed at Disney, and, and my wife works all these deals for us to be able to stay in these hotels. I'm convinced, Brother Lolly, I was around people that could buy and sell me. Like literally, we started talking to this one couple just trying to uh, strike up some small chatters, had gospel tracks in my pocket, amen, at Disney, even gospel tracks, amen. And I was talking to this one couple and they said they got married at the Grand Floridian Hotel. And I was like, I could barely buy a souvenir at the Grand Floridian Hotel. <laughs> you know what Joseph and Mary were? They were people just like you and me. Just simple people. They weren't rich. They weren't people of status. They were just simple people. I like that. You know, most of the people that I've known through the years that have been used by God, I, I'm glad that God says not many mighty, not many noble, not many wise are called. He doesn't, Brother Stark, he doesn't say not any. Because God has used some mighty people. But the people he uses most often are simple people. People that just want to glorify God with their lives, be a blessing to somebody, and God's keeping perfect records. Simple people. Something else that we see, if you go back with me to Luke chapter 2. <clears throat> Luke chapter 2. Look there at verse uh, 21, please. Luke chapter 2, verse 21. 
So not only were they simple people, but it says in verse 21, And when eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus, which was so named of the angel before he was <coughs> conceived excuse me, in the womb. And when the days of her purification, according to the law of Moses, were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present. To, uh, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord, as it is written in the law of the Lord: Every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord, and to offer a what? According to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves and a pair of young pigeons. If you look down at verse number 41 as well, it says, Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. So what do you see here about Joseph and Mary Pastor? I see, first of all, they were simple people. Second of all, they were spiritual people. They were spiritual people. Joseph and Mary were godly people. And can I say this to our, our friends who espouse the doctrines of Rome? Mary was not sinless. She was, and nor did she have to be. The Son of God was sinless, conceived of the Holy Ghost. Amen. But Mary here and Joseph, they were spiritual people. They were walking in the commandments of God. They were obeying the ordinances that they had been given in the Old Testament. They were spiritual people. They, 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 they went to the worship. They went to the feast as they were commanded. Can I tell you this, ladies and gentlemen? Spiritual people do as they are commanded. And, and by the way, that doesn't mean what I say. Just because I say it doesn't mean it's so. Because he says it, it's so. They were spiritual. I, I've, through the years I've met people and sometimes you, you'll get to witness and somebody will call and say, well, I'm a spiritual person. And let me tell you something, that is a can of worms right there. When somebody says, I'm a spiritual person, I always say, oh, Okay, well, let's get back to the Bible here, amen? Because listen, ladies and gentlemen, Joseph and Mary, they were simple people, they were spiritual people. In this, they said, if God said it, we're going to try to do it. We're going we're to make it our business to obey what God said. I'll tell you what, we need a whole lot more Christians in this day and age, not looking for liberty of what I can and can't do, but just saying, I, you know what, I just want to obey God and glorify Him with my life. That's a spiritual person. That's a spiritual person. So, they were spiritual people. They were simple people. Here's something that's just so interesting. Let's look at Joseph first. So go back to Matthew chapter 1. Matthew chapter 1. And then we'll look at Luke chapter 1 as well. So just kind of flipping through the Gospels and these messages <coughs> over these next three weeks. Matthew chapter 1. If you look at, well, it really goes all the way back to verse 18. 
Um, now the birth of Jesus Christ was on this wise. <clears throat> when his mother Mary was espoused to Joseph before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Ghost. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not willing to make her a public example, was minded to put her away privily. But while he thought on these things, now think about this. Behold, the angel of the Lord appeared unto him in a dream, saying, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary, to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost. And thou shalt and, and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, and he shall save his people from their sins. And then if you jump down to verse 24, it says, Then Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife. So jump over, if you would, to Luke chapter 1 now. <clears throat> Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. Look at verses 26 and 27. <clears throat> and then really verse 28. It says, In the sixth month the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored. The Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. What do we see here about Mary and Joseph and the journey to Bethlehem? They were simple people. They were spiritual people. But you know what else they were, ladies and gentlemen? They were special people. They were special people. God selected them for something very special. Again, I was talking about meeting spiritual people. Uh, I'm always a little leery to ask this question. I don't think I'm a little leery here, but uh, not too many people have ever had one of God's named angels speak to them personally. Now again, some people raise their hands and say, yeah, I have, you know, well, okay. But here it's recorded for us of both Joseph and Mary those simple people, those spiritual people, but also special people. Think, think about that. Think about them in this. They were selected by God to accomplish His purpose. How about in Luke chapter 1, verse number 38, if you look at it there. Luke 1, 38. My verse, my life verse is verse 37. For with God nothing shall be impossible. But it says of Mary, Behold the handmaiden of the Lord, be it unto me according to thy word. And over, we, we just looked at it, so let, you, know, you don't need to turn there. I'll, I'll be glad to read it. Uh, but we looked at Matthew chapter 1, verse 24, where it says, And Joseph, being raised from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord had bidden him, and took unto him his wife. What do we see here? They were special people. They were spiritual people. They were simple people. You know what else they were? They were surrendered people. They were 
surrendered to do the will of the Lord. You know, I found through the years that one of the one of the areas that I disappoint God the most is that I don't like Jesus say, not my will, but thine be done. I often think, Brother Steve, my, my will gets in the way of what God wants to do sometimes. Aren't you glad that Joseph and Mary did not allow their will to get in the way of what God was about to do? Just think about this, this whole story. First of all, Mary is expecting a baby, and Joseph was not involved. That is, that was stone-worthy. Huh? And that's, by the way, that's what Joseph was thinking about. He's thinking about, you know what, I need to divorce her quietly so that there's no shame uh, for her and whatnot. Now, he could have said, hey, break out the rocks. She's done wrong. But as he was thinking about this, the angel said, no, no, this is of God. But he still had to be surrendered to it. And then there's Mary. You're going to be the only woman in the history of me. By the way, that's why she's highly favored. It's not because she's sinless. You're going to be the only woman in the history of mankind who is going to have a baby without a man being involved. God himself is going to overshadow you and you're going to be <laughs> this baby's going to be born of a virgin think about that and what does she say behold the handmaiden of the Lord you know what she's saying not my will but thine be done you know I think about this and just by way of application I was particularly was preaching last week and some things that I've seen happen in the lives of other Christians and some things that have happened in our lives that have kind of kind of baffled us a little bit, kind of mystified us. Here's what two of the most beloved verses in the Bible say. Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. Hey, by the way, this would have been a time where many of us could have justified leaning on our own understanding. Understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. We're talking about the journey to Bethlehem today. Looking at these characters of Joseph and Mary, they were simple people. <clears throat> they were spiritual people. They were special people. They were surrendered people. You know what they were? And boy, this will hair lip some libertarian Christians. They were submissive people. Hey, go back and look at Luke chapter 2. <laughs> I, I always enjoy reading this passage for multitudes of reasons, but this is one of them. It says there in verses 1 through 3, it says, And it came to pass in those days that there went out a decree from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be what? <laughs> How many of you like paying your taxes? Yeah, that's what I thought. Not one hand going up. And obviously, we know this is not just tax. It's also registered. It's a census that's going on here. But either way, the trip costs a little bit. Right? 
What's it say? This taxing was first made when Cyrenius was governor of Syria, and all went to be taxed, everyone into his own city. Uh, forgive me, a lot of American Christians would have had their arms folded and said, make me. Yeah, all you that just didn't raise your hand right now, go ahead and fold your arms. <laughs> oh, no, no, nobody likes paying their taxes. Nobody likes this kind of a thing. But you know what they were? They were, sub they were submissive people. That was the decree that was given by Caesar Augustus, who was the ruler of the world. But then there's not only the decree in verse 4, there's the decision. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, unto the city which is called Bethlehem. Because he was of the house and lineage of David. The decision. By the way, this decision isn't rooted in all the prophecies of the Old Testament. It's not. It's in a decision that he said, I'm going to be submissive. We're going to Bethlehem. Now, did God know what he was doing? <laughs> oh boy, if this doesn't convince you of that, I don't think anything will. But we see the decision. The decision was the king, the, the ruler, the Caesar has said we're all supposed to go back to our home cities to be taxed. Again, that's not much fun. And it gets worse when you think about how little fun it is. And that is the difficulty in verse 5. Not only the decree and the decision, but the difficulty under submissive people. What's it say in verse 5? To be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. Now, I remember what it was to drive out here from New England, 750 miles, in September of 2009 when my wife was great with child with Luke. She was 36 weeks pregnant with Luke. But we didn't have to ride here on a mule. We didn't have to walk. We rode in a comfortable vehicle. Now it's still pretty uncomfortable for you ladies that have been great with child. Every day is uncomfortable. But it was difficult. It was difficult. So we see the difficulty. We see the decision. We see the decree. And we see the destination in verse 4. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, into Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem. Why? Because he was of the house and lineage of David. Now, that's the earthly reason why they went to Bethlehem. But I think those of us that are Christians understand that God had a behind-the-scenes plan. I remember hearing the illustration years ago of the tapestry. And if you've ever seen tapestries, they are beautiful on one side and not very beautiful on the other side. 
see one side, it's, it's, it's gorgeous. Uh, uh, the front side, I guess we would say, of the tapestry to, to look at and to see all those threads woven and so beautiful. But when you turn it around and you look underneath, you see all these bow ties and strings hanging and all that. And I think that this life is that way a lot. We're on the underside of the tapestry. But there are moments where God just shows us just a glimpse of His ultimate plan. And I think that this is one of those times as they journeyed to Bethlehem. Simply trying to be submissive and obedient to those that were in authority over them. They were simple people. They were spiritual people. They were special people. They were surrendered people. And they were submissive people in the decree, the decision, the difficulty, and the destination. What was the destination of Bethlehem? Let me give you five applications today that you can take and Lord Lord chew on this week as you go about your life. Number one, always remember this. God has a plan. God has a plan. You know, when you look around at creation, and we were this week we were, we were at Epcot and we, we went into this exhibit that had to do with water. It was all about water. Different different types of water, whether it be stream or brook or, or rain or salt water. And as I'm reading this, and it's <clears throat> obvious it's, it's written from secular perspective, and I'm reading this and I'm thinking to myself, how on earth could somebody not believe that God has a plan? Right. Ever heard of the Continental Divide? When a, a water drips on one side of the continental divide, it will inevitably end in the Atlantic Ocean. And one inch over in the continental divide, it will end up in the Pacific Ocean. God has a plan. Look around at this world. Look at all the Look at the trees. Look at the seasons. God has a plan. I think about looking as, as ladies become expecting moms and go through things and then, and then give birth nine months later. Every time I think about that, I think God has a plan. God has a plan. Don't ever forget that God had a plan. And by the way, it went all the way back to Micah 5.2 when he said that, the, that him that has been from everlasting would be born in the city of Bethlehem. It sure didn't look like it as Rome came to be and supplanted Greece. And here comes the Caesar saying, everybody needs to go to their town to be taxed because I said so. No, God said no because I said so. God has a plan. How about this one? And this is so, goes right along with this. God moves in strange ways. God moves in strange ways. He could have got Joseph and Mary to Bethlehem any way he felt like. Obviously, Joseph had family there. Could have just said, hey, let's take a family trip. What did he do? He allowed the Roman Empire to come and 
build roads that led to every one of their provinces. And, Joseph, and, and, and Caesar says, uh, we're, uh, all the world should be taxed. God moves in strange ways. You know, don't forget that in your own life. I don't know about you, but when I go through difficulty and, and heartache, I, I'm not as, I don't know, I'm not as praising of God as I should be. Nobody likes to go through difficulty. Listen, we, we praised God for the last two weeks as we were on vacation, just enjoying each other's presence and all that. But, you know, if we're not careful, we'll only praise God during the good times instead of seeing His hand in the bad times. You know what the Bible says? It says, all things work together for good to them that love God. I wonder if Joseph and Mary said, as they were journeying, I wonder if they said, you know, it's strange that we're going to Bethlehem. Maybe Joseph said, you know, I haven't been here since I was a boy and kind of be neat to go back. But I wonder why, you know, what this is. And obviously they had gotten some strange news before those days from angels. They're kind of thinking, I wonder how this fits into God's plan. You know, you can say that as well. You don't have to say, God, why are you doing this to me? You could say, God, I wonder how this fits into your plan. I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing how it does. It'll change your outlook. Knowing that God has a plan. Knowing that God moves in strange ways. I love this. God uses regular people in incredible ways. God uses regular people in incredible ways. One of the most incredible statements that Jesus made was when he said to his disciples, ye shall do greater things than me. I don't know about you, Brother Wally, I've read that a few times and thought, wow! You know, greater things than Jesus, but then I always think about this, you know what Jesus' ministry was? Localized. Do you know this, what we're doing right now, there will be people that watch our live stream in the Philippines, in Pakistan, all kinds of places. You know, that could have never happened back then. I want to just tell you this. You, those of you that give to missions, those of you that help with the free Bibles outreach, fill in the blanks, sing in the choir, sing a special, be a blessing to somebody. God uses regular people in incredible ways. I think about my almost 30 years of being saved, and I think of some of the opportunities I've had to serve the Lord, and I could never have imagined that God would allow me to be part of that, do that. Think about Joseph and Mary here. They are the epitome of God using regular people in incredible ways. You know, we're not talking too much about it today. It really has to do with the journey of Bethlehem, but imagine just being Jesus' parents. Hey, dads, you ever feel like a failure as a dad? Oh, my goodness. Imagine, imagine having a perfect child that God called you to be a dad to. Wow. You know what? Think about that. God uses regular people in incredible ways. Number four, God has a plan. God moves in strange ways. God uses regular people in incredible ways. I've mentioned this before. I'll not linger long. 
God simply asks us to trust and obey. There's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. He didn't ask them to understand his elaborate plan that had Jesus had been a lamb slain before the foundation of the earth. All he asked them to do was trust him and obey. And they did. And we are all benefit, 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 benefactors, uh, beneficiaries of his, of their obedience and their trust. Why? Because they went to Bethlehem, Jesus was born, our Savior. We could trust him. You know what God calls you to do, Christian? God doesn't call you to understand him. He doesn't. He just calls you to trust him and obey him. And then lastly, if you look at verse number 7 of Luke chapter 2, this journey to Bethlehem, what do we learn? We learn that Joseph and Mary were simple people. They were spiritual people. They were special people. They were surrendered people. They were submissive people. God has a plan. God moves in strange ways. God uses regular people in incredible ways. God asks us to simply trust and obey. What do we see in verse 7? We see God so loved the world. What's it say? And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. He certainly was the kind deserved to be born in the richest palace, didn't he? The most opulent place. But he was born in a manger. Why? Because God so loved the world. God loves the people of the world. God loves the simple people of the world. By the way, God loves the mighty people of the world too. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Here, here's, that, here's that love gift. God so loved the world. I want to tell you something, friend. God loves you. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus Christ as your personal Savior, can I tell you something? You're in a good place today. You're in a place where many of us have sat right where you sit. Many of us have been that one who sat in a service like this and didn't know Christ as our Savior. But then by the time the invitation was done, we did journey to Bethlehem, Joseph and Mary, simple people, spiritual people, special people, surrendered people, submissive people. Father, we love you. Thank you for your goodness to us. Thank you for